Hi, I'm Mel Majoros. I am a three-year cancer survivor. My blog, The Cancer Warrior, is one of the top ten breast cancer blogs according to blogs.com. I'm here to bring a fresh, upbeat perspective to a topic that to some may seem scary. A positive mental attitude got me through my cancer, and I hope to share that with you. Today we're talking comedy and cancer with Steve Mazan. He's dying to get on Letterman. How are you today, Steve? Good. How are you? Great. So we had to postpone this because I've been uh, feeling under the weather, and I'm glad we finally got this going because, you know, I read a little, little, little bit about your story, and I know that my listeners want to hear all about it. So, And you also have a type of cancer that I wasn't really sure how to pronounce or anything. So why don't we start with, uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right, but uh, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll try and repeat it as best as the uh, as the very smart oncology doctors uh, said it to me. Yes. <laughs> so they, they what they told me is uh, that I had neuroendocrine carcinoid tumors uh, that were on my liver and that they had uh, metastasized from somewhere else. So in uh, in my uh, young Midwest boy <laughs> terms, what that meant. <laughs> Uh, once I looked all those words up, is that I had uh, very little growth that were malignant all over my liver that had come from somewhere else. So, but they didn't uh, know where? They didn't know where. In fact, uh, you know, they originally, they found them. I had, uh, I just had some pain in my, in my chest and side, and they thought, uh, I, you know, my appendix had burst, and they went in, and my oh. appendix was fine, and that's, that's how they discovered the tumors on my liver. And, uh that's you not know, my appendix. Wolf. That's my tumor. Have you have you exactly. used that joke what are you on doing? Your... <laughs> I I said, you I can use on. that joke on stage. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so they said, uh, you know, so I woke up from the uh, appendectomy and uh, was like, oh my god, uh, you're you're telling me there's these tumors, but you know, I was 34 at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, they said it'll take a couple days to to tell, uh, you know, what these tumors are, and you know you're young and don't worry, you know, and I was very, very hopeful that it w- w- they were going to come back, that they were, you know, benign. And, right. um, I think we've all heard that. that. Oh yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I, you know, uh, I guess that's probably beats the opposite of, uh, right. Hey, go home and worry for a few days. We'll be <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, I did that and went home and tried not to worry. And, uh, yeah, came back that they, they were cancerous. And, and then the thing was to, to check where these had spread from. And so the next month became uh, kind of like a, uh, you know, kind of almost like a, a, a movie, a thriller movie where they were doing tests every single day. I went, I'm, I'm in California here and I was going to the uh, UCLA, okay. uh, their, their uh, cancer department, and uh, they were trying to find out where it was coming from. And it took a month to figure out that it was coming from deep, deep in my uh, intestines. And so oh. once once they found the source, uh, they lined me up right away for, for surgery to, to cut out about a, about a foot of my intestines. Um, but the, the diagnosis on the liver tumors is there's no, there's no cure or treatment, uh, even at this point. This is, this is a, a few years ago when I, when I got that diagnosis that there's no treatment or cure. And uh, they said, listen, you could maybe live 10 or 15 years with that. And it was obvious when they were telling me that, that they were giving me, again, they were giving me the positive side of it. Right. And so I said, I could live 10 or 15 years. What, well, what's the opposite side? How, what's the worst <laughs> case scenario? And they even admitted, well, we're, we're, we're not sure, uh, but maybe five years. And so obviously that was a shock um, to be 34 years old and be told you might only have, you know, five years to live. Now, how many uh, years well, ago was that? 
luckily that was six plus years ago right now so suck on that uh, ucla yeah exactly so listen sometimes (laughs) it's good to have awful doctors well, I mean, they don't know, and I always tell they people... They don't know. That's exactly what it is. I always tell people it's like milk has expiration dates. People don't. So, I mean, they just have no idea. You can't... Yeah, you, exactly. you can never give up your hope for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're doing their best. I really think, listen, I, I've, I've met so many people on this kind of, you know, uh, journey, other other people dealing with cancer and yes. uh, diseases of all kinds, and not just cancer, uh, that, uh, you know, have awful doctors and... You know, uh, awful bedside manners, and I've been extremely lucky. I really uh, have liked everyone I've, I've dealt with. Me too. Uh, and so very lucky. But I know, it, just like you just said, they, they don't know everything. And and sometimes I think, you know, maybe maybe doctors they don't they want to act like they know everything. So maybe they tell you things, you know, um, <laughs> you know they shouldn't, or or <laughs> right. say things a little more. Uh, authoritative than the, than they should, but uh, you know, along the way, I guess I even knew. Yeah, I, I hope they were wrong. And and listen, I think hope. You know, that's one thing I've learned is that yeah, hope goes a long way. You're right. So. You're right. And I always tell people if you don't like your doctor, fire them. Well, that's exactly it. Gosh, mm-hmm. that's yeah. It's so funny when I've been to a couple uh, cancer symposiums. You know, performing comedy and uh, you know, obviously taking part in the symposium as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've met so many people who they start sharing their awful stories, and then another someone else at the symposium would be like, "You need to get rid of that. Why are you telling us the story? This, this, you better not have another story next time we get all we all get together. You better have a new doctor." And so right. it's funny. I think people, yeah, sometimes people realize, you know, they just think doctors are are very. It's like a policeman. Like when you deal with a policeman or something, you you think, well, this person is. Of course, they would be looking out for my best interest, and of course, they probably know everything. And you know, and yeah, the truth is, is you know, they're human and they don't. And right. yeah, you can move on if it's not clicking. Yeah, I'm my uh, sorry, the engineer here wanted to. I told him I needed my amp fixed, and now he's knocking ah. on the window. Not that the you know the on air light has anything or anything. <laughs> if only there was some type of device. I know. If only stuff. someone could tell that I was kind of busy. And yeah. You could, yeah. I think if someone could invent just a little life that's that on air, they would make a bunch of money off it. <laughs> so you were um, you were diagnosed and you had the surgery. What happened after that? After they told you you only had a few years to live, and you said, "Yeah, ha, you're wrong." Yeah. So then, it, then it was uh, you know it was kind of moving forward. I think the you know the things everyone deals with when they're kind of diagnosed. That first month was such mm-hmm. a yes, a rush welcome. of a, appointments and everything that I didn't really have time to let any of it really sink in. It was, it was like, let's, you know, let's find out where this is coming from. And, and that was the priority. So it was after that, that everything kind of sunk in that, you know, wow, do I, uh, I, I, I'm not a worst case scenario guy. I don't think I'm only going to live for five years. I'm going to, you know, all Mm -hmm. the positive things, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to go farther. I'm going to stay healthy long enough that they will find a treatment for this. Um, so, you know, but up to that point, there was, you know, there was, a, you know, the anger and depression and mm-hmm. uh, shock and all that, that that kind of went with it. Um, and I think I think as cancer survivors, we kind of have to own that a little bit because I, I know a yeah. lot of people say, like, I mean, I'm a very positive person, but I also write it's like, OK, well, you know, yeah, I get angry when I think about the time that cancer had taken away from me. And I still battle with depression. And I think a lot of cancer survivors sure. don't want to do that. And we should. Yeah, I, I really think so too. Listen, this is a, uh, you know, I'm a comedian, obviously. So uh, I think one of my favorite, and every cancer person who's who's seen this gets the, you know, cracks up at it. But there's this great 
I don't know if you've seen it before, The Onion, you know, the, the yes. satirical magazine. And they had a, a really, and this is before I had cancer, I thought it was funny, and I, it's even more funny now, I think. They have a headline where it's like, local man uh, gives in after long, uh, terrible, depressing battle with cancer, you know, which is the <laughs> complete opposite that you always hear, that he was right. brave. You know? And I, I do. I think it's, it's one of those things, like, yeah, where it's almost a disservice if you act like, ah, every, in every turn I've faced it with a smile and cry and listen, it's, you know, it's, it's just like life. And I think it's, you know, you always try and put the best foot forward, but it's, it's, it's hey, it's not as interesting as story and it's not as real unless you, you, you really show the obstacles you, you go through that it's, you know, if it was easy to just be positive all the time, we do that. But right. I, I think you do a, a better service showing that, it's, that, you know, look, it is a fight. It's a battle. So. It is. So, so now where were you working at the time when you were diagnosed? I, uh, I was a full-time comedian. I'd been doing it full-time for about five years at that point. Okay. Uh, yeah, I started comedy in, in San Francisco and had moved down to L.A., and I was down here uh, for, I guess, three years. Uh, but touring the country, you know, that's, that's, as a comedian, that's what I was doing, touring the country, playing comedy clubs. I had even performed over, overseas for the troops in awesome. Iraq and Afghanistan and, um, you know, all over the world, basically, performing comedy. So was was living one of my dreams which was was to perform comedy once i you know grew up and not not have a real nine to five job thank god uh <laughs> i don't know course, what that's one of the like either is that, yeah, it's, it's a good feeling um one of the problems though with that is uh the, the, there is no comedians union and there's no right. uh, comedians don't have a, a good health benefits uh <laughs> luckily I, luckily i had some insurance on my own um to you know Right. Help with everything, but even even with that, I was quickly you know quickly in debt from all the medical bills within you know within a couple of months. I was behind on everything. So oh yes, it was it was pretty pretty scary. You know, you, you start second guessing everything. Like oh my god, do I have to do I have to now spend every second I have left? You know, do I have to get rid of this dream job I have and find a job that has health benefits and everything and and spend whatever if I only have five years, do I have to spend those five years? No. making money to pay my medical bills, <laughs> you know. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. thank God. I needed you. <laughs> I wish I was in an interview with you <laughs> five and uh, a half years ago. Because, yeah, those are all those things, again, that, you know, go through your head and you, you second guess and you think about. And, but, of right. course, once you, you can really sit down and you get past the, you know, again, the anger, the fear, the depression, and, mm-hmm. the, you know, just the, the brave face of it all, and you just logically look at it, you realize, Look, whatever time I have left, you you need to be living, and you need to be you know that more important than ever is doing doing what you want and living the life that you want. Exactly, uh, and you're doing so that. It, and you're yeah, doing that you before cancer, which is awesome. A lot of people, uh, it has cancer has to slap them in the face, as it were. Yeah. Before they realize, oh, what what am I doing in this nine to five job? I could be doing, you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, that's that, and that's kind of become, uh, yeah, my new, uh, I guess goal of it all is to kind of share that with people that that wake-up call because you know even even though i was living that part of the you know okay this is what i want to do comedy and and having you know a a great life i still had a wake-up call on some of the things that i thought i had plenty 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 more time to to chase you know one of one of my dreams was to to perform on letterman right and just the way that uh that comedy works or any business works, you know, you work hard and you get noticed and then eventually, you know, you get a promotion or things happen. And that's kind of how comedy works. And I was waiting for that part of uh, my dream to perform on Letterman to come to me. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, you know, you, you keep saying someday you're going to be on Letterman. 
What, what if you're not around when someday happens? Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, it was a wake-up call for me, and I decided, you know, I need to start start chasing this rather than waiting for it. So you put the, did you put the feelers out to Letterman, or how does that yeah, work? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I started a project that was uh, um, cutely titled Dying to Do Letterman, <laughs> and uh, I put up a website. And this is, this is again, this is uh, about five and a half, six years ago. This was kind of before Facebook took over, and right. YouTube wasn't, people weren't really on YouTube too much. So at that point, these are all things I would probably do now, but what I did is I started my own website called Dying to Do Letterman, and I put up a video of my um my comedy, and then I asked people to watch the video, and then if they thought I was good enough, they could click a little button, and it would open an email to David Letterman, and they could send a message to, to the show. And so it was kind of keep taking a campaign. There, there, you know, the Letterman shows out on the East Coast, and there's a lot of auditions and stuff on that side. So it was kind of creating a. My idea was to create a buzz and let them hear about me. I, I didn't want to be on because I had cancer. I wanted to be on because I was good enough. I just wanted right. them to kind. Of take a look at me quicker than they might if, uh, <laughs> if I had went through the normal channels. So, uh, yeah, that was my, my first step was starting that website. And, uh, luckily the, you know, the show, uh, heard about me pretty quickly, but, uh, I think in the beginning they took it as they thought it was kind of a, you know, a make a wish thing and they didn't take it seriously. And they, they mm-hmm. kind of sent me actually, a. uh, not a cease and desist letter, but basically that thing. <laughs> enough, with, enough with this campaign. And I'm sorry you're it. dying, but uh, yeah, they, yeah, they did. They were. It was nice. They were like, sorry to hear about this, but uh, the line in there that always sticks with her. They said, "It is impossible. It is impossible. You will not be on the show." Oh. And, uh, so that was again another shock and, and surprise. But again, I knew they were kind of looking at it the wrong way. And you know, after the same thing, again, some more disappointment and sadness about it, you know, uh, much quicker than the cancer diagnosis, I realized, you know, okay, you know what, I'm going to prove them wrong. They're looking at it this way, and I'm going to prove to them that I'm, I'm good enough to be on the show. So then it was, then it was, uh, you know, just sending DVD after DVD to the show and, and, you know, pushing them to watch it uh, and kind of getting, getting in the process that they usually go through with comedians right. uh, to get on the show. So it was, yeah, the shouting it stopped my lungs and uh and harassing them basically <laughs> so have you still, still got have you gotten any response from them lately uh yes well i will tell you we have the uh um if, if you google uh my name and letterman you can find the ending of the story but i will tell you obviously there's two endings of the story that i, I could have either uh you know not made it and died <laughs> <laughs> which i wouldn't be and, talking uh, to you now that would be kind of sad exactly so debbie downer yeah. thanks steve <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Steve died in the middle of our interview. <laughs> but um, could you do that? Because that'd be great for my ratings. I know, wouldn't it be the ratings? <laughs> we should hopefully go high. That would be great. We should hopefully make TMZ and a bunch of stuff like that. Like a man dies on an uh, interview. Um, so yeah, those, those were the options. But obviously, I either uh, I this project keeps going till I make it, or you know, I, I die first. So. We have a, out of this whole thing, uh, I made a bunch of videos that I was putting on the website. We, we've made a, a documentary about it called right. Dying to Do Letterman. And um, I'm proud to say we finished the documentary in March, and we've been on the festival circuit since. And it's, uh, it's won awards, uh, best documentary or best film at each festival awesome. that it's been to. Uh, and we actually just got accepted to a prestigious program called DocuWeeks, which uh, gets the film qualified for Academy Award consideration. Oh, so sweet. It's, it's really at the top of the uh, uh, the documentary heap right now. We're getting a lot of buzz, and uh, 
so yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending for it, but I will tell you, you know, listen, anyone with any gumption can uh, Google my name and, and uh, see what comes up. Um, but, you know, one of the happy endings is that I, I'm still here and, and that I'm talking to you, and I can tell you that, uh, that the one thing that we started this conversation with is that, you know, everyone should not be taking time for granted. They should exactly. be, you know, uh, you know, chasing your dream full force, and you never realize it, you know, someday – Someday might not come, so you need to you need to make it happen. I agree, even if you don't have cancer, like any. Of course, exactly. Anything. I almost think it's like a it's it's almost like a responsibility that that we've been given by mm-hmm. being diagnosed that we can share that and be like, hey, don't wait for this awful wake up call. I'm you know listen to my story so that it can wake you up and you can realize, oh, all right, I don't need some some diagnosis to 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 get that into my thick head. Exactly. So. Now tell me about this uh, Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, DocuWeeks is, uh, you know, uh, they find the best documentaries each year. Mm-hmm. But to take part, they do, what they do to qualify you for the Academy Award is they show you in New York and L.A. for a week. You have to do that to, to qualify for the Academy Awards. Your movie has to show in those two markets for a, a whole week. Okay. So obviously to, to rent a theater in both those places costs a lot of money. It would usually cost probably 50 or 60 grand to do that with all the advertising and uh, rental fees and that kind of thing. So uh, DocuWeek takes care of a big part of that, and we have to pay, you know, kind of a portion as an entry fee, but they take care of, you know, almost 75% of it. So we had to raise uh, over 20 grand just to take part, and then for our own, because we want to be there for all the showings and everything, we started a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to not only uh, take part in DocuWeeks, but also to uh, afterwards show in more theaters outside of just New York and L.A. So if people don't know what Kickstarter is, it's basically this kind of cool crowdfunding thing where if you have a great idea, there's movies on there, but it's not just movies. If, let's say, you had the next great uh, phone or you you want to patent that Mm -hmm. idea for the on-air light of yours that I think would make a lot of money. Uh, you can put it don't on. Don't steal my idea, say, Steve. <laughs> I won't. Uh, I, I won't. Uh, don't. You might want to edit this part out so no one steals it. <laughs> but you can put your idea up on this thing called Kickstarter, and what it is is people that are uh, investors and want to help out people with with good ideas, they can invest in your product. And, and rather oh, than just donations, what it is, you you get something back in return, either a piece of the product, or in our case, if you invest in in ours. Let's say for you know uh, a dollar donation, you get a free uh, comedy track from my CD, or ten bucks you get the whole CD. For twenty-five bucks, I think you get the DVD when it comes out of our movie and stuff like that. So, um, and then all that money eventually is going to go to help us bring the movie across the country and show it to show it to people all over. So yeah, we're we're, we're excited and it's going great. And there's I think yeah maybe um, three weeks left of it, uh, but we're we're doing great. We got enough to go to DocuWeeks and now. So every every all the money we raise now from Kickstarter uh, just goes to bring it to more cities besides New York and LA, which is great because I think you know that's, that's, I'm looking forward to hitting all those kind of real you know uh, heartland cities, you know like you know, right. Chicago's where I'm from, Portland, mm-hmm. uh, all those stuff in the Midwest, Texas, that kind of thing. So uh, it, it's exciting. But yeah, rather than a big long address, if anyone wants to go there, you can just go to our website has a link to it on the front page. It's dyingtodoletterman.com. Uh, and that'll link you up to the, the Kickstarter campaign if anyone wants to help out. We appreciate it. So when do the uh, Oscars, or when do they announce? Do you know so that? I guess yeah, what it, the way it, ha- it works, it's, mm-hmm. so, it's so funny to be even talking about this. I mean, this was a, it's one of those things that I think you, we've all been involved in something in our life that takes on a little life of its own. I mean, it was, 
uh, you know, kind of a, a little project I had, and then it became a documentary, and then the documentary started getting all this buzz, and now we're actually talking about Oscar considerations. So, so crazy. Um, but uh, I guess the way it works is in December, you know, once all the movies have been released, that's when they kind of formulate what's, uh, you know, a short list of movies so that uh, out of the probably 60 or 70 documentaries who have made the qualification, they narrow it down to about somewhere between 15 and 20. And then a month later, at the end of January, you find out if you make the final five. That's uh, when you. That, that's when you have to wake not. up in the or wee hours of the morning. That's right. Well, let's hope so. Yes. Let's hope so. Or if you don't wake up, I guess that's not good news. <laughs> well, well, yeah. If you don't wake up at all, that's not really not any good news. <laughs> that's, that's the whole true. dying in the middle of the interview <laughs> thing that you're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, I I worked in the entertainment business. I just couldn't remember when they uh, announced. Cause, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, in Hollywood, it's is its own little universe, and it's a huge yeah. deal there, and it's a huge deal in New York, and then the rest of the country is like, why does everyone care? But right. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, you know. No, it is. Listen, I was uh, growing up. I mean, the you know watching the the Oscars, the Academy Awards. I used to do with my mom and my sister. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that part, yeah, that's the part I'm interested in. like, you know, the, but it's kind of neat to be on this side. Like I said, it's, it's all stuff I never knew how it works behind the scenes. So, you know, it's neat to be even saying that word in, in conjunction with our movie. So it, it feels like the little movie that could. And, you know, people are, people are, you know, we've spent, after the movie, we spend an equal amount. Of the the movie is about less than an hour and a half, and we usually spend at least an hour and a half afterwards talking to everyone in the audience. You know, we do a little Q&A session. And oh, nice. Usually we get booted out of the theater by the people <laughs> in the theater. Um, and, but then we talk with people in the lobby forever because people, they're just really this message you and I have been talking about, about, hey, don't wait for someday. You don't have as much time as you think, no matter what, disease or not. You know, you, uh, you can get hit by a bus or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And, um, it, and you know what? People always rem- mention a bus. It's, what's up with the damn bus? Yeah, I know. I, just, I always <laughs> use a bus, and I thought about it. I was like, why don't we use a bus? There's not that many people hit by a bus. And there aren't that many buses around. You know, all there's of a sudden, there's a yeah. bus just, like, lurking around the corner like those cartoons. <laughs> there is a dun, terrible dun, dun. bus driver out there that's out to get you. That's the message I'm trying to get across today, Mel, <laughs> that there is an evil bus driver out to get you. And people need to wake up to that fact. Now, <laughs> tell me a little bit about you wanted people to help you out with your uh, digital street team. Oh, yeah. We have as part of the, uh, you know, the whole thing that this, this has taken on this, this kind of little life of its own. Like I was saying, in the in the lobby, people stick around forever, you know, talking about it. And they really seem to be it's really inspiring them, and which which makes me feel great because now all of a sudden this little project that was kind of selfish about me getting on Letterman mm-hmm. is kind of inspiring people and it makes me feel like it's a it's a bigger thing and and it feels really good you know to to make that happen but you're, it's still good that you're selfish go ahead yeah no 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 well, listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh that that's still there too but it's nice to have this in conjunction with <laughs> but so one of the things people keep coming up and they say how can i help and and uh one of the ways is we have this digital street team and you can again you can sign up through our website dinydoletterman.com and uh you can see information on the film and little re- crowd reactions and stuff. But one of the things you can do on there as well is the link to the Kickstarter and then a link to joining our digital street team. And basically what that is is it's just kind of when we go to these movie theaters or festivals across the country, we, we have this street team that kind of you know has taken over each festival and, and got the word out about our movie. Um, but this is the digital version of that. So you can, no matter where you are, if you hear this and this inspires you and you want to help us out, um, 
you can help us uh, digitally street team the the internet. So getting the word out, spreading the word out about uh, about our uh, our movie and uh, all the other projects that are involved with Andrew Army. We actually just got some. Uh, Official news. It's been it's been out for a while with yes, with time. kind of our team, but the the official news that we can finally announce is uh, we're doing a book awesome. of dying to do Letterman. So I had to I spent three yeah the past three months writing the book version of this whole story uh, that we have on film already and and that I've lived and uh, it was uh, it was picked up by the uh, people who have done the Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, series. They did the awesome. original Chicken Soup for the Soul. So, you know, a, a lot of people read those for inspiration, and we're, we're so excited to be with them. And a great story on that, the first draft I wrote, I worked with this uh, this editor, Michelle, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Mastra Siani. She's, <laughs> she's got one of those uh, great New York Italian names. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, after reading the first book, she said, I need to talk to you, and I thought there was something wrong. And she called me up and, and said, um, Steve, look, I had seen the movie, and the movie is great. She's like, but this this book, you can get into so much more detail about that kind of thinking that we've been talking about, about waiting for someday and that kind of thing. Right. And she said, uh, you know, I thought she was going to complain about something or say I need to change something. <laughs> she said, I'm I'm leaving my job after this project. I've always wanted to have my own publishing company and my own consulting firm, and after this project, I'm going on, out on my own to start it because uh, wow. I've been waiting too long. So. To get the editor of the book to do that, <laughs> uh, you know, is pretty impressive. Of course, though, it sounds like maybe my book is inspiring people to uh, quit That's their jobs. Awesome. Which on, on that that front, uh, maybe I'm, I'm contributing to unemployment yeah. in the country. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, as far as Way the inspiration side, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome! Wow. Yeah, make sure her bosses don't hear that though until the book. Is yeah, no, no. I think she. I think you know, it's so funny. <laughs> she's so brave. She she put her word in already and everything. And I guess you know they understand she's been there for a long time. And, uh, I think they probably knew it was one of those things she wanted to do eventually, but uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty exciting, and it, like I said, it it makes me feel great that that someone can get that message that hey, you know, don't don't wait for it. Exactly, okay. follow your bliss, as I say. Yeah. So yeah, pretty pretty exciting to be to be involved in, like I said, this this thing that's kind of. Uh, blown up like this. So now, wouldn't it be ironic once the book comes out? That would be the time when Letterman actually has you on his show. Yeah. Like, has he actually okay. has he actually said anything lately? I mean, you said he had the cease and desists, but I mean, obviously you're a talented comedian. Why has he? I mean, is has there been any reason why he hasn't had you on the show, or just? Well, um, just Letterman being Letterman. Wah, wah, yeah, uh, Letterman being Letterman. Um, yeah, listen, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Again, listen, all right, I'm a, you, Mel, you're a, we're, a, we're a, a brother and sister in arms, obviously, yes. in this battle. So I'm going to uh, share a little uh, spoiler alert. And is anyone else who doesn't uh, doesn't want to know, you can you you can look on the Internet uh, and find us out. So I don't feel like I'm destroying too much. I have done the show. They, they have uh, oh, awesome. finally won them over and, and performed on the show. And uh, at the end of the movie and obviously the book, you'll you'll get to learn that. Uh, but you know, like like everything, it it ends up being you know the journey and the chasing the dream. That's the the important part. But yes, uh, did get to do the show. Had a fantastic set. Dave was extremely complimentary. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, he's he's maybe the one guy in show business that he may have had me on him himself. I know everyone, you know, the producers and everything knew about my project, but there was no mention of it on the show. It was oh. just me coming on as a comedian. 
and, and performing, which is, you know, I, that's exactly how I wanted it. But he may be the one guy in show business that might have had me on and not even known about this project. He's a little removed from his day-to-day <laughs> uh, -day, -day working. Yeah, he's notoriously reclusive, obviously. And uh, I have a friend who a long time ago she worked for him, and she worked for him for two or three years as a writer, and she she had never met him. She didn't, so, oh. you know, it's that kind of thing that, uh, you know, he's very removed. So I don't know if he, he knew that day, you know, when I was on that, that this was what it, A, what it meant to me, uh, and B, this campaign that I had to, to get me there. Uh, he never mentioned it, and that was fine with me. I You know, I, again, I wanted to be on just as a comedian, and, it, and that's how it felt to me. So Did uh, Leno uh, ever reach out to you about hearing no, this? You know, you know, what's funny is, is the, the filmmakers, um, they're friends of mine, and they heard about the project, just the website, the I Do Letterman. They contacted me and said, hey, we, you know, we always thought you were hilarious. We already dropped an email to Dave. But they said, hey, just as a side note, we know Warren Littlefield, who uh, right. ironically is worked for NBC and was the guy – that told Dave he wasn't getting the Tonight Show. <laughs> right. So kind of the, uh, in, I'm sure in, in Dave's mind, the, the villain in that story. But they said, we know him, and we could probably get you on Leno if you want to go on Leno. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, no thanks. <laughs> I'm a Letterman guy, and, you know, that's the dream. I don't want to water it down and, and just go, you know, where I can get. I want to go to the place, you know, I, I, I've always dreamed of. And, and, yeah, for me, that was Letterman. So, But it was kind of funny that, yeah, that, that they had that <laughs> offer. So, Awesome. So now if uh, people want to get a hold of you and still help you out and maybe be part of your dig digital street team, maybe they have a uh, uh, festival that you can send yeah. your film to, where would they get a hold of you? Yeah, so the best thing to do is, uh, again, my name is uh, Steve Mazon, and I have a website called stevemazon.com, and it's spelled M-A-Z-A-N, so stevemazon.com, M-A-Z-A-N.com. And uh, anything for the movie, I check both of these emails all the time, uh, steve at stevemazon.com or info at dyingtodoletterman.com. And you can just, you know, if you just remember the websites, you can go to those websites, and there's a contact place on both of them. So stevemazon.com and dyingtodoletterman.com. And you're on uh, Facebook. Yeah, and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. So, yeah, if you put Steve Mazon into the Internet, one of those those things will come up, or Steve Mazon, Letterman, all those those websites will come up. You can find me on, yeah, on Facebook, all those places. Excellent. Uh, that you think of. Yeah, so our Digital Street team has been done a great job. The people who have helped us so far kind of getting the word out there on our movie. So, yeah, we would, uh, we would love to show the movie to anyone who's interested in seeing it and, uh, you know, come talk about it uh, to anyone who's interested in talking about it. And, you know, uh, cancer groups out there, like I said, I've, I've done a bunch of shows, mm -hmm. uh, comedy shows, you know, uh, to help people laugh through all this. And, uh, yeah, anything I could do. So if anyone has a question or anything, feel free to reach out to me at, the, at those places. And, uh, yeah, I'll get back to you to, for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you at the Oscars running out of the darkness. Because, you, know, <laughs> you know, they always put the documentary people like way in the back. And, well, that's exactly and Hollywood and Highland, they're like, <laughs> Steve Bazaad for dying to do Letterman. And then you have the look of like, they'll pan to like all the famous people and are like, who the hell's that? Yay, they're clapping. And then, and then you'll be coming out of the darkness or maybe like have you, I don't know, shimmying from the balcony or something that's to right. yeah, those, collect I'll your Oscar. To, I'll zip line in from the, the back seat, the back row. Perfect. Well, th yeah. Well, thank you. I hope that let's hope that happens, and uh, I appreciate your help and 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 spreading the word. You know, both on on the project and yeah, echoing the same message that we're trying to get out. That's uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to do in life, don't stop waiting for it. You know, it's not it's not how much time you have; it's what you do with it. Exactly. Well, hang on a second, Steve. I'm gonna uh, 
sign off right now. This is the Cancer Warrior. You can always find me on Facebook because I am a Facebook junkie. Mel Majoros, become a fan of the Cancer Warrior on Facebook. The Cancer Warrior on EmpireRadio.com. Check out my blog, thecancerwarrior.blogspot.com. And as always, life looks pretty good from where I'm sitting. Sending you good vibes. It's the Cancer Warrior on EmpireRadio.com.